know, they could have really used a starting goalie that was actually healthy for the first two rounds of the playoffs. I don't know. That's just me thinking. I know there was a lot of uh, flack online for Red Wings towards the end of the season with Alex Nadalkovich, but uh, the Hurricanes hedged their bets with two goalies who are chronically injured all the time. And look where they ended up. Yeah. I mean, it sucks. They have missed Freddie Wet for 16, 20 games now, right? Actually, it was 20 total. 20 it, was some, it was something like, yeah, it was something crazy like that. Yeah. I mean, he's notorious. Even when I think we, when we talked about it, when he signed in Carolina, he was notorious for being injured every single season in Toronto. But he had such a huge workload there in Toronto, too, where it was bound to happen every year, no matter what. Yeah, for sure. And like Ranta, like I should, you know, preface by saying Ranta did end up playing pretty well, except on the road. He was not good on the road, but at home and for what he was asked to do, he did play well. And that injury last night was pretty nasty. Yeah, I don't blame Ranta at all. I think he was pretty good. Oh, no. Yeah, no. Carolina, I'm being told. Oh, excuse me. I'm being tongue in cheek about it in the sense that like Nadelkovich was traded because they wanted more consistency at goal and they end up they end up having to play their second and third string goal with the entirety of playoffs. But the main reason they lost is because of their star forwards not showing up. That is their That's main reason. The problem they don't have star forwards. That team right. is built really defensive and it kind of bit them in the ass. I think they need to make a deep plunge either in the UFA market or there's two trade. forwards that come to mind or there's a couple forwards that come to my mind in a trade too that I think would be really interesting in Carolina. I have one for later as well, but uh, uh, to start off, uh, welcome into the Production Line podcast, everyone. Uh, one of your hosts, Garth Wickham. Grant Wickham. And Andy. Oh, man. I missed I missed hearing that. Me too. Missed saying it. Two pods in a row without Andy, and it feels feels right. Feels right. Yeah, it's been what, over a month since we've talked, really. I can finally smile again. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, has it been actually that long? Yeah, because we took a two week break, or well, yeah, took a two week break because I went to Florida. Right. And then the last two pods I couldn't record because of work and something else came up. I can't remember. It's yeah, been- I don't remember either. Yeah, it's been about a month or so. That's nuts. That's crazy. It does not feel that long, but again, that's how it works. Like it, someone I heard someone say it's six weeks away from unrestricted free agency. That doesn't feel real. Oh my gosh! How far away is <laughs> drafted? Five weeks. Uh, yeah, it's a week before. Yeah, four, four and a half, five weeks. Yeah. That yeah, it would yeah. Wow. It's almost 2023 if we look at it like that. <laughs> All right. Well, let's not go too far, man. Let's not go too so, far. Okay. Um, it's June tomorrow is what I'm saying, though. Rick. Yeah, it is going to be. Yeah, that's crazy to me as well. But uh, quick word from our show sponsor and friends of Inside the Rink, BetUS. BetUS has your NHL, NBA, UFC, PGA, and yes, NFL betting lines for their 27th year of live betting. Sign up for BETUS.com with promo code RINK for 125% sign-up bonus. Again, use promo code RINK for 125% sign-up bonus. Play with the proven mainstay in the industry. BetUS. You bet, you win, you get paid. BetUS.com. So I guess a natural um, 
continuation would be just to continue talking about the uh, Carolina New York series that ended last night. Game seven at home, Carolina Hurricanes had not lost a game at home, and the Rangers only had won one game on the road. And of course, the Rangers route the Hurricanes. That wasn't even that wasn't even close. That game wasn't even entertaining for a game seven. To be honest, that was awful. The yeah. Rangers, the Rangers played like well. Like I'm not taking anything away from them, but Carolina sucked. Yeah, like to kind of back what Grant had said earlier, like a couple minutes ago. No star forwards, like their star player, the whole playoffs, in my opinion. And like you guys mentioned it last podcast too, is Tony D'Angelo. Like to me, he was their one of their best players, like most noticeable. And they can't have that as a defenseman either, from the like from Carolina. See, I disagree. I think Slavin was by far the best. I, well, actually, yeah, we, I think that's what I, we said actually. I actually think D'Angelo sucked the last couple games. Oh, uh, like, he was a stud in the re- the regular season for a million dollar contract, and yeah. I mean he was still really good for a million dollars in the playoffs, but he took like steps back in the postseason, um, especially on the road. He was really bad. Uh, bad. Everyone in Carolina was like, everyone. Yeah, but lots of bad, bad pinches, which is kind of expected from him. But yeah, just, for but what I was getting at is like, he's their most offensive player. And he's a defenseman. He was their most offensive yep. player. That's what I was getting at. Like he was yes. their like star player for that, and he was a defenseman that wasn't in the league technically a year ago. Yeah, I know. Isn't that for other, silly? For other reasons, but yeah. I saw a clip on Twitter that was the uh, the handshake line, and ESPN clipped out the uh, Georgiev D'Angelo handshake before it happened. Like they panned away from it. So as I want, like I want, like the the video of actually seeing that because I did not see it. Yeah, I, I like that was, to see that too. I thought it was really funny. Um, but no, I yeah, Carolina, such an interesting team. Uh, like the Rangers, their power play is sick. Um, another player who I thought was insane for the Rangers this series was Keandre Miller. He was so good. Yeah. The kid is unreal, playing unreal right now. Yeah. In 2018, I wanted the Red Wings to take him so bad. That would have been nice. He went, he went too early because I wanted him with that second first round pick we had when we took Valeno. Right. And he went 21, I think, and the Red Wings picked 30th. But yeah, Keandre Miller, he's a beast. I saw something on for Jay Fresh that he had the most zone. Uh, he st- stopped the most zone entries for opposing players, which like is defended. really really important. And oh, he, a, he was mid for uh, mid top twenty, I think, for breakups too in the D zone. Yeah, his size and his like his skating ability is is so good. I know he's not ever going to be like a huge offensive guy, but like defensively, like he's a perfect shutdown guy. Yeah, and like he's paired with well for the most part, especially when once his name got hurt the last couple of games. Lindgren was it? He was out. Lindgren. Yeah. Like, Lindgren. He wasn't. Like, he wasn't out, but he was getting really banged room, up. He went to the room thirty five times, but yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like um, when he was playing with Truba mostly, like those two guys are like a they're both big defensemen and they use their size. And whether you like Truba or not, I don't know how you guys feel about him, but he gets the job done. I don't really have an opinion of Truba. That hit that he threw on Jarvis, the first look, I was like, how is that not a penalty? But then when you slow it down, it was his shoulder. Like, right. like the follow-through, like in in real in real speed was really bad. 
But when I watch it, I'm like, that's a clean hit. I just think Trub is not a, not as good, not that good of a player, to be completely honest. Well, I, there's a couple of things I kind of want to hit with Truba because he's a no pun intended. That, yeah, he's <laughs> he's a player that I kind of want to talk about quite a bit. Right okay, now. go on. Uh, I think he's bad. He also makes eight million dollars. That was my point. Um, yeah. Every hit he throws is a shoulder, but he jumps into every hit. Like, as the contact is going through, he jumps, like, right when you first hit him, mm-hmm. and then his shoulder explodes through the head. That's my problem with his hits. I, I don't – and technically under rule, I don't think that's a problem because his feet aren't leaving until the contact happens. But when the contact happens, he jumps, and his yeah. shoulder just explodes to the chin. There's going to be whiplash every time. I don't yeah. know why that's not. Head injuries are going to happen. I watched the Jarvis hit over and over again, and he jumps literally right when his body hits Jarvis's and his shoulder explodes through Jarvis's, like, chin. Yeah, it reminds me of, like, as he has a reversing taller Nicholas Cronwall. Because, like, when Cronwall would lay those hits, when he'd back into the guy, he would jump. Like, there, like there's, yeah. today, oh, he'd, yeah. be suspe- he'd be suspended. Like, he'd be in the negatives. He'd be in debt for money how many times he'd I think find. I think he'd be in Tom Wilson territory. I think I honestly don't think yeah like I honestly think he'd be paying the league more money than he ever made. I, I also think Cronwell isn't smart enough to stop doing it though. Maybe. Yeah. Oh. Maybe he liked it though. He he loved it. Like that got he's, him yeah. he's, a, he's a smart guy. Man, but, Nick Cronwell like, underrated. He could have adjusted his game. He's he was great. Yeah, but that's also like that. That's what he would do though. He could back into the guys and catch another head down, come up the half wall and the well come breaking out of their defensive zone. And he'd just step up off the blue line and jump the, jump into the guy backwards. My favorite one was like the heater one. And then they edited that video on YouTube of him like, oh <laughs> you remember oh, that? yeah, yeah. yeah I, remember I, remember. <laughs> I remember that one. That one's so the old. ghost. The that one's ghost. so old. They added oh, like man. sound effects behind that. Yeah, but yeah, I honestly think the, the Hurricanes' best forward in the series was Seth Jarvis, and like him going down last night, I'm like, oh yeah, they're done. Um, from an offensive standpoint, yes, I'd argue. I guess Nino I'd hear an argument for Jordan Stahl. As Jordan well, Stahl like, and Nino Niederreiter. Yeah, Nino Nino was good as well. I agree. Man, he I can't remember what game it was, but he absolutely laid out someone. I was like, who the hell threw that hit? And it was Nino. That was a holy shit. I, I just think they're such a flawed team, Carolina. Like, they're stuck in this second-round range right now. And I don't know. They're, they're, well, I mean, Colorado had the same thing, too. But Colorado oh. wasn't stuck because their team is full of star players. They were going to get out eventually. I don't think Carolina has that bite that has the ability to get out of the second round. If you can't beat – you had the easiest layup – in the playoffs this year for the easiest path to the Eastern conference finals or the Western conference finals, easiest path. Right. I don't know. You had a Boston team that was really banged up. Yeah. I'd argue the Rangers might've had an easier path to be honest, but okay. But also, also you had the Rangers who are terrible in my opinion. I still think they're terrible. They're, they're playing with a star goalie 
uh, two star forwards, and then a star defenseman. Mm-hmm. And they're performing. Those guys are. What killed Carolina this series was special teams. They lost on special teams. Oh, yeah. That's it. Big That's time. On a penalty kill that was literally first in the league this year, choked. They got shelled with, what was it, seven or eight power play goals this series they let up? Yeah, I don't know. Last night, going into the second period, it was seven to two on the power play. Yep, seven Oof. to two. You can't get out scored that bad on the power play. I also, what was it, seven out of probably, I guess they had scored six last game, but it would have been seven out of probably 20 goals on the power play, something like that. Right. Um, but they need to make a splash. Carolina does. I don't think they get anywhere without um, some more explosiveness. They need to get rid of stuff to mm-hmm. create cap and make a play at a big big time forward. And they have a lot of holes to fill too. And I, I think Nate Natchez is gone. I think so as well. Um, I think Trojek's going to get a payday. I think somewhere hopefully else. In Detro- hopefully in Detroit. I, I would like him in Detroit. Uh, he's a good player. I also think that they either need to splash at Philip Forsberg, Johnny Gaudreau, or a guy that show, has showed up in the playoffs his whole career that I think Chicago might be willing to move if the price is right and you have a ton of prospects. That's Patrick Kane. I think Patrick <laughs> Kane, I think Patrick Kane would be electric in Carolina. That's a fun one. I and was not thinking he that. shows up. He's three times Stanley Cup winner. He shows up. Let him have fun. I mean, Carolina does like their guys with character issues, so there is a fit there. <laughs> there <laughs> there is a fit. I honestly think that he has more playoff hockey left in him. Oh, yeah. And I want to see him play, surround himself with good players again. And let them work. They never – they have no guys. They had one guy over a point per game this year. That was Aho. Barely. Aho is very good. Don't oh, yeah. Me. he's. I love yeah. Sebastian Aho. But he – what was this? The highest goal-scoring year in the NHL since, what, 2008? Yeah, I think so. Something like that. Okay. And they had one player over a point per game. And you just signed Shreshnikov Cup to $7 million a year to not show up in the playoffs. Besides physicality, yeah, he was invisible. He was invisible. Um, I think Patrick Kane would be hectic and fun. Put him with Svechnikov. That'd be really fun. The guy, who, the guy who I think of, and we'll get to something I wrote this week as well, but I think JT Miller. JT Miller is offensively dynamic. And that I would think be that, really fun. Because because right now you're looking at a center core where you're gonna have Jordan Stahl in your second line spot, or you're having Cock and Yami at your second line center, which is kind of tough to swallow. Uh, that Cock and Yami contract right now to me is still very very tough to swallow. That is really bad. So it d- depends how you want to work that. Like JT Miller can play both, so it's an easy. Like if you want to play Cock and Yami at center, cool. You throw Miller on the wing, but JT Miller up the middle would be really good. And he was amazing this year. Yeah, he was. He's, he's and he's a, got that bite. He does have bite. Yeah, he has that killer instinct, like bite or whatever. He also has a utility knife because, like, power play, penalty kill, center wing, whatever you want to put him at, he does mm-hmm. it all and does it very well. 
I think they need to make a couple moves, not just one, though. Like, I yeah. think J- JT Miller would be a really good stepping stone. But I also think you need to f- dive at a winger, too. And I don't know if that's in a trade. Like, there's the speculation of Natchez for Fiala kind of deal. And Adam, that be I feel is another guy, but he didn't show up in the playoffs either. So, <laughs> I just – I don't know. That's how it works. I mean, if you sign Johnny Goodrill, then you're getting another guy who doesn't really perform that – I mean, he was fine in the playoffs this year. Okay. I, I thought he was fine. Yeah, he uh, wasn't great, but he was fine. No, yeah, that's a – yeah, it's going to be an interesting thing to watch. And I was listening to Jeff Merrick and Elliot Friedman today, and they talked about how – Natchez and Svechkov both underperformed, and then they they're wondering about Ethan Bear's future as well. So he could be another trade piece too, because he was a healthy scratch the whole time. Yeah, he's yeah. not gonna. There's no way they pay him. What's his qualifying offer? Two million, and they're not uh, gonna get. Yeah. They're not. They're not gonna give that to him for not. No. He didn't even touch the ice in the playoffs, and he's really interesting to me because I don't think he played very well as the bottom pairing defenseman this year, but he was pretty good in the top four. So it's just mm-hmm. depending on who he's playing with. Like when Tony D was out, uh, yeah. he, he played well with Slavin, but that was also playing with Slavin. So take what you can get, I guess. I don't, I don't know. He'd be a, he'd be a fun gamble for a team looking for some defensive depth. Uh, yeah, that's not a gamble that I want to take right now. If you're talking Detroit, Ethan, I wasn't necessarily talking Detroit, but I do like Ethan Bear, and I wouldn't be against it. Um, yeah, I'm. I'm not for it. Okay. I've seen enough of him. Uh, he gives me Ole Ulevi skating vibes. Ooh. Except way better of a passer and puck mover. Well, I hope so. And he's more poised. So okay. a lot better than Ole Ulevi, but he skates like him and it scares me. <laughs> That's funny. Um, all right, let's move on to another series and – my God, Darren Helm, you bad, bad man. Mm. 13 years apart, you dog. Just performs in the playoffs. First first goal of the playoffs. Can I give you, know, you a little story? Yeah. So uh, I stayed Friday night at the parents' house. Yes. And uh, it was really late and we were hungry. So we went to grab a pizza and dad stayed back. He was watching the game. And it was 2-2 when we went to go – or Colorado just tied it when we left. I think Comfort just knocked off the water bottle. And mm-hmm. he's yep. like, okay, you need to go run and grab that pizza now. So I left. Um, got back, and I was ready to I, – I thought we were going to be able to catch overtime, and I was pretty pumped for it. And Dad goes, Darren Helm just won it. I was like, overtime didn't start yet. Uh, you're not going to, like, trick me whatever <laughs> and he was like no seriously and he had the laugh on his face like he was kidding and yeah, so no, I, knew, yeah. I, th- I thought he was kidding because he didn't know how else to describe it that darren helm just won the game in regulation <laughs> oh my god so i literally checked my phone i'm like you're i know you're not serious i don't even know i'm looking but it looked like the tnt crew was talking like the game was over so i checked and i was like oh my gosh Daddy what a beauty! I loved how <laughs> how crazy everyone went to like Andrew Cogliano, like punching him in the in the head, like on the bench was hilarious. Yeah, he had to go concussion protocol after that. Yeah, I, he's out for he's out for game one tonight. So yeah. that's just per per Darren, um, per Darren himself. <laughs> Excuse me. 
as no pun intended um i can't even talk right now it's so funny that is um no i'm happy for darren helm i mean guy signed a one-year deal to play for a stanley cup contender and he gets rewarded you gotta like i mean he was a journeyman for the red wings he showed up big moments for the playoffs for the red wings i mean that's how he kind of made his start in the nhl was that western western conference final winning that game yeah um but yeah colorado i think yeah, there was a couple points in that series I was a little nervous. Um, but overall, I mean, Philly Huso just wasn't comfortable. Yeah, that stung them having uh, Bennington go out, not going to lie. He was hot. He was on a heater. Um, they're just the better team. Oh, big, the better team won. I'm, happy, I'm very happy that Colorado won. Don't get me wrong. Me too. Um, I really love Bowen Byram has been really good in the playoffs since Gerard's been out, man. I, I, love, I love, I love, I love watching him. He's I'm so, I'm, I'm so happy that with the concussions and stuff that he's able to come back and be, have such an impact. I'm so happy for him. Uh, yeah, I'm really happy too. He's electrifying to watch. I, I think it sucks that he wasn't able to stay healthy all year because you know, who would have been right with cider in the points race for the Calder, the way Byram's minutes were going up and up and mm-hmm. he was already like slotted on the second power play, you know, when Taze was out. Yeah. Uh, he was planting points quickly. His points per game was crazy at the start of the year. Uh, it was a little bit above ciders actually. And then um, he went down, which sucked for him, but I'm glad to see him coming back. Him and Eric Johnson. What a pairing. I know. And EJ has been really good too. Um, like I said, their their problem has been EJ's brother, JJ, Jack Johnson. Oh, JJ. That's Um, why you need, you need to throw Curtis McDermott in, mm -hmm, get him out there, get him banging bodies. Yeah. Just, he's going to just Jacob Truba, Connor McDavid. Well, well, yeah, there you go. Throw a knee on the, get him out early. Yeah. No. Yeah. or, Or just go after Leon's ankle, like Calgary Flames were doing, but, um, no, I, so I'm so happy to see Colorado, the, like, the best team possible, like left in the playoffs, actually move on. Um, JT Comfer showed up big when was when he was needed, which was cool to see. Burkowski got back in the lineup, which was it's kind of it was nice to see, and he played pretty well from what I saw after he got back in. Um, Nas was really good throughout the series. The guy who was really quiet that I think is going to need to step up is Ratman. Yeah. He could be an X factor in this series because mm-hmm. this coming series, I think, is going to be lots of uh, interesting guys stepping up. I also so would fun. like to see Burkowski step up too. Yeah. Oh, he needs to as well. He had what, six, 60 points this year, 61. Something like that. He was insane. In like 70 games. Yeah. He had a crazy year. Um, yeah. Colorado. Yeah. They played, played their way. Through luckily, I think there was a couple points where you could have been like, "Oh, St. Louis is outplaying them." I mean, that Tyler Bozak OT winner. I was after that game. I was not feeling too good about Colorado. That was a, that was an electrifying goal, especially um, going I, to St. Louis. Yeah, right. I did like to see Layla Anderson. Um, that was awesome. she, yeah, she's at the game. I thought that was really cool. After I mean, she and she looks healthy and stuff, which was really cool. Um, I was listening again. Jeff Merrick, Elliot Freeman again today. And they mentioned something about how all of the St. Louis coaches, uh, I mean, all the St. Louis assistants are going to be possibly in the running for um, head coaching gigs. I kind of want to see Steve Ott as a head coach. 
That would be interesting. I would, if Steve Ott wants to come to, back to Detroit and be a head coach, that'd be super fun. I'm really curious to see. I, I they mentioned Dallas with Steve Ott, which is obvious, right? Yeah. I thought that I thought that was kind of a fun little tidbit. Um, but yeah, moving on to the Battle of Alberta that also wrapped up. Uh, Connor McDavid, Leon Drysaddle are not human, and Jacob Markstrom found out what it's like to play Connor McDavid and Leon Drysaddle for a full series. It was not fun. I just want to say something really quick. Uh, I said the Calgary Flames are the biggest frauds in the playoffs, and they squeaked by Dallas in overtime of a game seven, and I they just lost the Oilers in five. Um, and now Matthew Kachuk is going to make $10 million and Johnny Gaudreau is going to walk in UFA. Yeah. Uh, so congrats, Calgary, on your one year of almost success. Not to mention Mangiapane is also an RFA. Yeah, good luck. The one, move that's, the one move that seems obvious is getting rid of Monaghan somehow. He'll end up in, in Arizona. That's, that's where that's where all players who don't play during that season go to play. Arizona. That's where he's going to end up. I'm telling you right now. He's going to end up in Arizona. Quote me. He's having hip surgery. He's probably going to be out for most of the year. Cool. He can go. So He can go. I think there's – is there no state income tax as well? In Arizona? Yeah. No state Hell tax. Yeah. Good for Sean Monaghan. Enjoy your payday, my friend. Enjoy campus. Yeah. Enjoy, yeah, on campus living. That's nice. Do you think he's got a meal plan? <laughs> that should be included on the contract. <laughs> I hope so. I hope so. At least, at least fifty percent off. Is he? Com- he's confirmed out half the year. Well, I mean, he's having he's having hip surgery. I don't know how long it's going to be. I kind of just made up that. I think he'll probably play at some point. But again, he's I, having- I hope he's still young. I hope his career doesn't die. I I, I hope so too. I I think there's something there. I think he kind of got in his own head, and he definitely needs a fresh change. But I literally question- do you remember when all the rumors were going about Kuznetsov being traded and then Monahan being traded? Yeah, that would have made a ton of sense. I literally said that Monaghan was better than Kuznetsov before the season. That I'd take Monaghan before. And that was a little bit of a hot take. But can you see how stupid that looks now? Yeah, it's scorching now. <laughs> yeah. That is scorching. Um, moving on to Edmonton, though. I mean, all of their best players are performing at the right time. Yeah. And a guy who we talked about this last episode, I think, Grandpa Brett Kulak, I think it's just such a calming presence as well. The back end. I mean, I I can't help but think about left-hand defenseman when thinking about Brett Kulak and being an unrestricted free agent, right? That's what that's where I was getting at. My only problem with Brett Kulak is I'm talking as a fit for Detroit. The way I see Detroit building right now, the leftist side of defense is getting fillers for the time being. And waiting for prospects to show that they're ready, right? Because Edmonton's going to step in this next year, of course. And then you're going to have probably Jake Wallman on the third-pairing defense. And then you need to find another left-handed defenseman, mm-hmm. right? Would they sign? Brett Kulak probably won't sign for after the playoffs that he's having in the year he's had and the playoff the year before. I don't think he signs for a one-year, two-year deal, right? Really? I, I think I think he's getting he's on short term. I think he's what 27, 28? 
28. Um, I struggle to see him sign for anything less than three years. So yeah, I'd, say, I'd say he'd probably look for like a three to four year contract. He's, he's a proven good defenseman that's really good at skating and moving the puck. And he's good at shutting down plays. I, I think he gets three to four years. And I don't know that the Red Wings would be willing to do that considering they went sign Letty to four years. Yeah, which thank God. Um, yes and no. I, I love Nick Letty, and I think he's good for a young defenseman. But um, yeah, no, I, I, I yeah. that trade was really good for the Red Wings. So I think that yes. they. Yes, it was. Um, yeah, obviously touching on you know players more important than Brett Kulak. I mean Connor McDavid, Leon Draisaitl. Leon Draisaitl is playing with debatable. one ankle. And yeah, debatable's right. Playing with one ankle, and he put up an NHL record for most three three plus point games in the playoffs in a row, which was pretty silly. Yeah, and Connor McDavid's. Going nuts, and I love that the game five when he won in overtime. He the first thing he says is that his game sucked that game. Yeah, that's so funny. Well, and how happy he was in the post game as well. I love for his that. for his standard that he's played so far in these playoffs. He was a ghost out there. Yeah, really, he was. But like, this is a, like outer worldly performance he's put put on since these playoffs. Like, I don't, I don't think. I, sorry, going into the playoffs, I didn't think anyone could skate faster. Than Connor McDavid in the regular season, and like with the like with the puck in it in traffic and some of the plays he's made, especially against Calgary and stuff. But um, like skates are three four guys picking up speed, going around obstacles essentially like pylons, and making stuff happen is like it's insane to watch. It's unbelievable to watch. It's we're we're lucky to be able to get this, and then also. Like this, this coming round that starts tonight will be interesting as well. Yeah, no, I think this was the best case scenario. Even I said Calgary would beat them. I think this is the best for hockey, seeing the best player, and this will only help ratings and views. Seeing two of the best players go at each other, with McDavid and McKinnon and or McCarr, depending how you want to. Four of the best players. I did see a tweet somewhere. Is, is this the best Western Conference final we've ever seen? And oh, I love the Red Wing fans getting back at it with the Colorado Avalanche series. Or no, it was a series in general. Colorado Avalanche, Pittsburgh Penguins, like all of those, like legend, where you have crazy amounts of talent. So I do appreciate that. Because well, I mean, it's it been Stanley Cup, but yeah. I know. I, I, I misspoke. It was in a series in general. Oh, okay. Yeah. So I mean, with star power, because uh, you look at like young Datsuk, young Zetterberg. Okay, but if you talk recent time, yeah, you know, recent time, the past like I would say probably ten years. Yeah, that argument yeah. can be made for sure, if not is legit. Because these are four of the legitimate top ten players in the league. Easy, yeah. I'd say top five, top six, yeah. honestly. Yeah, like, I wouldn't even go. I wouldn't even stretch it to top ten. That's fair. Yeah. To be honest, like, and that's that's just how good these guys are. I love talking about the Oilers though right now because the more I look at them, the more they can't resign everybody. So it really mm-hmm. intrigues me that this is kind of their year right now. Or yes, the, before, before they have to make moves, they have three RFA's under twenty four that are all going to be looking for updated pay. Yep, in my opinion. And then and the, the they Evander have Duncan Kane. Keith. And they have Duncan Keith making five mil. 
Hell he's yeah, actually so. been okay in the playoffs. No, um, he's been he's been solid, which fine, cool, good for you. But also, but he's making five million next year. Yeah. When you have Ryan McLeod up for contract, he's twenty two and he's looking to get better and better. Kaylee Yamamoto and then Jesse Cliarvi, <laughs> all RFAs, and then you have Evander Kane as a UFA and what they have seven million in cap, I think. Yeah, it's definitely not enough. Something needs to shake out. Yeah, that's well, Miko Koskinen is going to be leaving the leaving the the team, so that is true. And thank God you have your starting goalie, Mike Smith. Yeah, thankfully he won't. For, age curves aren't a thing, right? Yeah, I also love all the Rangers fans saying that uh, Mike Smith is worse than Antti Ranta and Louis Domingue. I don't know uh, who's who's the guy that tweeted that. I didn't see that. He's a so. genius. Uh, he's one of the bigger Ranger fans that has like a, a lot more followers. He tweeted something about how uh, everyone making fun of the Rangers for playing backup goalies, but uh, Auntie Ranta, Louis Domingue are better than Mike Smith or something like that, and he's in the Western Conference Final. That's yeah. <laughs> if you look at Louis Domingue's stats over the last couple of years, yeah, as much as I loved the Louis Deming story, like he's a third goalie. Well, third yeah. goalie. This is like, like if the Mike's... Red Wings if the Red Wings made the playoffs and Calvin Pickard was carrying us to glory. I think Calvin yeah. Pickard's better than Louis Deming by quite a bit. I mean, now. probably, now. probably. Yeah, yeah. That's just um, like disrespect to Mike Smith because, yeah, he's not the best goalie in the NHL, but like he's a battler, like. Like he gets the job done. He and he like, yes, he makes mistakes with playing the puck, but he's also like a third defenseman back there playing the puck. Like it's a risk reward. I have another hot take. I don't think any goalie plays the puck well. I, I think that's Go just on. a bad. I think it's just a bad take. Everyone talks about how goalies are so good at playing the puck. I don't think there is a goalie that plays the puck well. Everyone, you overplay the puck and you make a mistake. That's what happens. I think. Goalies in the NHL get overconfident in themselves and playing the puck, and they bite themselves in the butt. Where comparatively, I think a goalie that is that considers himself an average puck player that does not leave his net to do like to go try to slam themselves against the boards and catch a puck that's flying back there um, are the best at playing the puck. Like Shesterkin is considered this great puck player. Last game, would you see him throw the puck right in front of the net, right? And Aho missed the wide open net, but still. And Alkovich messed up multiple times this year. He's an excellent puck player. Mike Smith messes up every game, and he's the best puck player in the league. I guess it's how you value um, the puck move because obviously the the risk there is risk that comes with that reward. Yeah, goal being scored. Yeah, yeah, goal being scored, but also goal. you you think about you think about all the plays that they get moved up ice that nothing happens on, where offense is created, but technically not a goal comes out of it, right? And so, so I would more so go so like I think there is value in a good good goalie playing the puck. Okay, there's Especially- a difference between like a hard rim and like Shesterkin catching a puck and then flying it a saucer pass all the way down the ice. That's a, that's a difference in playing. That's a different type of puck playing in my eyes. It's when you go behind your net to make a risky play to stop a puck. And guys yeah. like Shesterkin, Smith, and Nedeljkovic do it all the time. Yeah, so like with Smith, 
because like he's obviously known to play the puck and he is pretty like i'd say he's yeah he's risky with it but he's still i'd say pretty good at it he's also good for like one pizza a game but he's also good at recovering making like insane saves for doing it but like in the long run for playoff hockey as long as you're not like you know willy-nilly and just firing off the middle of the ice that saves your defenseman a lot from like a lot of crash and banging from a four checker which is nice which like if Edmonton loses someone like Nurse or even Bouchard right now, like he's been playing pretty well. Um, Kulak, someone like that, that's going back to retrieve a puck from a four checker. Or he gets hit married by a four checker. They can't really afford that. So like there yeah. is value in, in Smith playing the puck. Mm-hmm. It is risky, like we just said, like a couple times where he might throw a pizza up and you have a free goal like he did. What, what game was that? He cost him the game. Was that round one? Yeah, it was against LA. Yeah, yeah it was LA, ga- it was game, game one, I think, right? Yeah, it was one I of the first so. games. Um, yeah, also, and he like he even said like he's like yeah that was my fault I should I should I just messed up there like, but I think there's value in a goaltender being active playing pucks, especially the ones that go behind the net and stuff like that because as you get deeper in the playoffs, the less physicality your defense take. It drives me crazy because you know how often like Vasilevsky plays the puck? Plays it pretty often, honestly. But not like a crazy amount. No, he most he mostly sets it up for the defenseman to come he back. Just, yeah, he'll just stop yeah. it. Where yeah, every time it goes around the net for New York, just start gonna go behind the net and just rim it off the glass. And yeah. 50% of the time that results in a turnover. Like I want to see the stats behind it. I want to see analytics on like turnovers from goalies that's fair I, I'm, I feel like I'm playing the puck I want I want to see that I I literally legitimately think that 50 percent of the time Shesterkin plays the puck it results in a turnover I want to know another goalie that just popped in my mind that was actually like he didn't play the puck a lot but when he did it was very effective he's more of the Vasilevsky type where he'd set it up for his D but is Carey Price yeah, he had more or less yeah. set it up, but like when he did go out and play the puck, it was also it was very effective. Like and also, like very he's very calm as it is as a person. So like if he messed up, you just settled back down and typically made the save. Right. Well, I guess we'll finish off the playoff talk right now. We'll get back into predictions when we finish up the episode. But um, finally getting a little some Red Wing news as a Red Wing podcast. But uh, uh, some news that was kind of made on twitter and people kind of got a little upset about um larkin switch agents in a contract well he's gonna be able to start negotiating his contract in a few and um, six weeks here um he switches from kurt overhart to papri san who papri san is known for getting players paid and also helping players out of situations that are sticky i.e jack eichel Last summer, that's who Jack Eichel switched to to help his situation in Buffalo to get out. Um, yeah, I know Red Wing fans, obviously, it makes it look like that negotiations aren't going well with Detroit. But then the agency actually had an interesting comment about Larkin's switching and said it was like a blind side and that they were disappointed with Larkin's decision, which I thought was very strange. I don't know if you guys have an opinion on it. Um, a little bit strange, I guess. I don't know. 
I feel like it's more or less that the agent almost felt like they had an understanding or a friendship, and then Larkin just kind of ditched him, left him in the dust. But to me, Larkin's doing what he's got to do or what he feels is right for him. So, I don't know. Yeah, I, I kind of second that. Like, as a like as a fan of, of the Wings, it's like, okay, well, yeah, like he deserves a lot more Like, he deserves – big amount of money and stuff like that but we also have a good young core coming through and prospects and stuff if they pan out where we'd like to see kind of like the pittsburgh effect in the sense where you take less to win whether that's yeah. a million five hundred thousand whatever it is <clears throat> and stuff but also as like being a fan of a player you also want to see them get paid what, what they deserve too so it's definitely gonna be a really interesting. Cause this, I mean, this is me last. This is me Larkin's last chance to get paid. This is good, probably right. his last contract. I mean, not his not his last contract. This would take him if it was an eight year deal. It'd take him to like thirty five. But still, but I mean, prime. there's not prime. This is what's eating up his prime. So yeah, Larkin's been a first line center and is the best center by far on Detroit. So negotiations with Eisman, he can point that out right away. Now, granted, he isn't a top of the NHL first line center which is going to hurt in his negotiations. But if I'm him, I'm pointing out like Mika Zibanejad's contract. And I'm just like, I'm putting that down on the desk and being like, that's my, that's what I want. Right. Like he got eight years for 8.5 a year, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Something like that. And I think that's where the negotiations are going to go from there. And a lot of times players, when they switch agents, it's mostly a disagreement with that agent and the sense, because Larkin probably laid out his wants with that agency. And he was probably like, I want to get paid X amount of money for across X amount of years. And then the agency is like, that's not realistic. And then Larkin is like, okay, you're not going to give me what I want. Then see ya. I'm going to go to someone who has a history of getting players what they want as he should. This is a business, like it might not sound a lot for a couple million every year. Like, let's say he gets paid like a million less than what he should be, but like over eight years, that could be up to like $20 million, which is an insane amount of money. So, I'm I'm not worried about it from a Detroit perspective. Detroit will pay him what he wants, like what and whatever they'll get it done. I'm not worried about that, right? For sure. I don't think anyone is. It's just kind of like the, the language from the from Kurt Overhart's agency, it was very interesting. The The way it's worded makes me think that this could be a really long negotiation because I think, think, so. I, I think Iserman may be a little... This is your first move in, in the main scheme of things. You're setting up to basically the two big entry-level deals that are coming off the books in two years. This is what sets up those depending on how much Larkin makes here because right. that cider is going to be making more than that for sure. And then however Raymond plays out his next two years. Mm-hmm. So this first number that you're putting on the board has to be, is a really important one. And you have to see if Larkin can take a, like Andy said, a pay cut, like a Pittsburgh type deal, whether it's 500,000 or a million, like he said, also it's, he's going to try to go for that. Yeah. And whether that's you log on the eight-year deal as a hundred percent lock for that, yeah, you don't want to end up like. So put it this way: like you don't want to end up like Toronto, like where they brought in Tavares at eleven. Obviously, Matthews is worth more than that. He's younger; he's going to be the star. So he gets what 
12 and a half or whatever it is. Yeah, it's 12.3. 12.3. And then you have Marner that is, you know, he, he takes his 11. And then Nylander <clears throat> took, what, seven and a half? Seven, six, seven point, and a half. 6.9. Six six yeah. yeah, so yeah, so seven, roughly. So, like, you want to – especially for, like, when you're coming in, like you said, with, especially with Cider – Coming in, he's gonna make more than Larkin, I I believe. Oh, absolutely. Like, so like you want to kind of set up well. Look at Larkin; he took such and such and such money. So you like you deserve more, in a sense, or we'll pay you more, but it can't be like ten million, eleven and a half million dollars. Can't be like three or four million dollars over what Larkin's make type of deal type thing. Yeah, definitely. I think a saving grace for this though that like something that will definitely factor in is the caps going up. It already it's already going up a million this summer True. with the the new TV deals. It's going to continue going up, and the Red Wings have already have so much cap space yeah. that like if Eisman wanted to, he could set himself like an internal cap of like the old cap, and you could work with that. I'm just setting a number randomly. I'm not saying what he's actually thinking, right? But he can work with that kind of thing where he's like working under the old cap, but then he actually has more money than he actually like is planning, right? Yeah. And you could still fit a plan. I think the Red Wings are projected to have like 36 million in cap space this summer, which is an insane amount of money. And it's only like, like, I mean, obviously it's going to go up next year, but I mean, there's plenty of contracts you can end up working out as well. So I'm again, he's making six already. I it's not getting, I don't see it over nine personally. No, hundred percent. No, it's somewhere between, it's somewhere between, uh, it's going to be somewhere between, seven and a half to like eight, eight point and a half eight and a half probably so somewhere right. in that fine range for eight years probably yeah i was gonna say by eight i'd say my max would be like i'd probably say like i could see him maybe getting like eight seven five to a nine at like a stretch that's a big yeah. stretch to me that's a big, that's stretch, a big stretch but that's with the anticipation of the cap going up and stuff like that too like down the yep. road but I see him as is right now with the cap, the way it's going up to next year, at least <clears throat> I could see him at like right around eight or so. There's I, there's just a couple of players I look at, right? Like Gabe Landon's contract is really good for a, he's their first line center. Um, You mean first line winger? I mean, they like switch off at center and stuff. He plays a lot of center. Okay. So I guess I consider him center sometimes. Uh, but yeah. Gabe takes a lot of face-offs. So. Yeah, he does. Yeah, that's what I was just going to um, say. But, like, Braden Point makes 9.5. Yep. Uh, he's not on Braden Point's level. Nope. Um, what are some other comparisons? Like, Nico Heischer makes 7.5, right? Or 7.75? 7. 7.4 or something like that. Okay, he makes a lot, which is scary um, to me. Zabanajad. Savannah Jad, Jack Hughes I think is a Sean, right? Sean Couturier is an interesting one as well. But he's also on the back half or the bit where he's on a lot of injuries recently. Yeah, so, I'm just saying like number yes, one he's... centers that have signed long term deals. Yeah. At the time, uh, Barkov just signed for 10. Yep. Yeah. Um, and again, it's kind of just you're weighing out all that. Um, again, Grant, to your point earlier about. Um, this might be being a lengthy process. Eisman has a history of waiting out his top guy, Steven Stamkos in 2016. Literally waited till three days before he was set to be UFA. 
So, I mean, is it possible? Yeah. I know Eisman said his priority is to get negotiating right away. Eisman can wait out a player. I'm curious to see how long Larkin's willing to Didn't he say his priority was in the the next year and a half or something like that or whatever? Just, I I think he, I think, he say he wanted to start negotiating as soon as possible, like as soon as it was he was able to. He didn't say like to sign them, but to negotiate really. Um, it's definitely gonna be something to watch, for sure. Um, yeah, and we're gonna move into a topic now that Andy hasn't really been able to dive in on the past couple weeks, even though it kind of seems like old news, or whatever. But did just come out this past Saturday that it was uh, like Elliot Freeman, like kind of officially reported that. Barry Trotz in Detroit had actually spoken. He believed they spoken, which in anything in Detroit with a like believed from Elliot Freeman is probably as good as you're going to get to confirmed, in my opinion. Yep. Um, Andy, what are your thoughts on the possibility of Barry Trotz as head coach of the Detroit Red Wings? I, I mean, I kind of like it. It brings us some structure, like defensively. So, like, like you guys mentioned this last week when I listened, I believe, or touched on it. Like, he has that rep of being a defensive structure coach, which, yeah, like, I guess you could say he was, but, like, the teams he's had, like, when he was in Nashville, they had to play defensive because they didn't really have offensive studs. They had, like, a solid goaltender, the solid D with Weber at the time, Suter. Who else was there? Yossi was a young kid coming up. Then when he went to Washington, Washington needed that defensive aspect to their game to get the job done, but they still, like you guys said, let the stars do their thing. Like this, they're still like their offense came from the defensive zone, protecting their house and doing the right thing. It's like all the little things that it takes to win in the playoffs. Yeah. And then, and going to the Islanders, I mean, they were already a defensive structured team kind of more or less. I'd say like how he was in Nashville where you have a few guys that can get it done offensively, but mostly like your success comes from defense, defensive yep. play, sorry. And in the sense right now, like obviously with a lot of blowouts we've had this year, like we kind of need that. And I think it'd be good for our young defensemen and young forwards that need to start their two-way game. Mm-hmm. And like he has proven to like in Washington, especially like when they won to still get the stars to buy in to play the defensive game, but also let them do their thing in the offensive zone. So I, I kind of like the fit. If like, if they take, yeah. it, if they sign them or whatever, if they hire them. Um, I wouldn't be opposed to it. Is he the most exciting thing? No. Most exciting coach, most exciting answer. No, but it's also not a, ter- it's not a bad one either. So. No, yeah, I, I like for the most part, people are excited about the opportunity to actually like ha- like thinking about Barry Trotz as the head coach of the Red Wings. Right. But there are like there are a few people that I saw online or oh, I hope you like boring hockey. I, I don't know about you, but I don't find winning boring. Yeah, <laughs> I, I'd rather win a, like 50 games, 45 games at three to two, four to two, shut them down rather than lose seven, eight, nine, five, freaking ten two. Yeah, like or this year, like win or even win seven six. Sometimes you know, like yeah. those games. Those games. Well, every once in a while, those games are fun, but it cannot yeah. be a regular thing. It's like it was this year for us. Yeah, exactly. And I think that's the biggest thing. I mean, I was Eisman obviously made it a point that the defense needs to improve, 
and bringing in a guy like Barry Trotz, who has a track like a track record of implementing a defensive system and also having players develop defensively within that system. I know he one of his biggest criticism as a, as a head coach, which I think is valid, and I can talk about that in a second, is development of young players. Which yeah. going into a rebuilding team, that is definitely a concern. That's my one concern with Perry Trotz. But I mean, looking back to all the defensemen that he has worked with, which is the Red Wings' biggest strength right now in the pipe, pipeline: Roman Yossi, Ryan Ellis, Matthias Ekholm, Adam Pellick, Ryan Pollock, and Noah Dobson this year. All players who have developed into at least top four defensemen, if not top pair guys. And to know, I thought Noah Dobson took crazy leaps this year. Yeah. yeah, so I said I said could be argued at least top four. I'm I was mostly talking about Noah Dobson, but also could be considered the rest of those guys can be considered top pair defensemen in my opinion. I can see the argument for forwards, but not so much defensemen. Which is what is most important to Detroit currently is defensemen. Yeah, and also like what would be interesting about that is now how does I mean, I know it's one player, but he's one of our biggest offensive players. I don't know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. With Verona. Like yes. he was, Verona was buried on that third line. Even after he was, after Trotz was gone, he was buried there. Yeah. I would like but, to say, like, I would like to say how young he was in that situation. He was, I mean, he was 20, 2021 when Trotz yeah. was there. Um, I mean, four years, it's been four years or whatever since they won the cup. So that was the last time um, Verona would have been coached. So 22. Yeah. Um, and again, that was a huge issue. I know, like people were like quoting, like quoting my article that I put out, like the the breaker or whatever, and it was like, uh, Verona's bashing his head right now or whatever, which was kind of funny. But again, I kind of view Verona as he's not part of this core yet, right? And with the value that Barry Trotz brings, I'm not saying trade him because Barry Trotz is there. Like Barry Trotz is going to implement a style that's going to win, and if he can't play to that style. He's going to have value and you could move him. I'm not saying I'm rooting for that, but if you don't deem him as part of the core and helping in that scenario, then you have options. It's not yep. the end all be all. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm with like, it's kind of how I view it. Um, no, yeah. That's how I view it too. It's just, it's I just do, interesting to see it. My, my yeah. thing is you, if you are having Barry shots come in, he's probably the top coach. To where I'm, I'm saying you need to move pieces to fit him better and make yeah. this team make this team a lot better because I don't think Barry Trotz wants is coming here if he thinks that the Wings are going to be bad next year. He's coming here no. to win. And I like I was talking to uh, our friend Ryan Fugue about it, and he he I said I kind of said my opinion. I think Winnipeg's the best fit for him because Winnipeg's that team that hasn't got over the hump yet. They have a bunch of players that have been underperforming, and it's kind of like their last shot at maybe a, a couple-year window. And I think Barry Trotz could help them get over that hump. But Ryan Fugue pointed out, he's like, I think Detroit's actually the best fit, as the sense you could build a dynasty there. And you look at Barry Trotz, I mean, the last couple of years, he hasn't had that tenure. Like Nashville, he he was there. He's the longest tenure coach ever in the NHL. Mm-hmm. It was over. He was their almost, only coach. Yeah, he was their only coach until 2014. Yeah. which is crazy to think about. So, I mean, I think there's something to be said, and the Red Wings have a history of being loyal to head coaches, yeah. never firing a head coach. Jeff Lasha was like, he had a team option, so he was decided they split ways. They've never fired a head coach Dave, like, under Eisman, but I mean, Dave Lewis, I guess, was fired, I think. Whatever. So it's been a while, like 2000, 
five, I think, is when they fired Dave Lewis off the top of my head. 2006, something like that. Babcock took yeah. Something around then. Anyway, but they have a history of like being loyal to their head coach, and I think that'd be something Barry Trotz would very much value at, at his age and where his family's at. And be able to, and also it's rumored that a big thing for him is stepping into a management role, which I know people in Detroit are like, well, maybe not, maybe not Detroit, but um, uh, Pat Verbeek left. We only have one assistant GM right now. Like, and the Red Wings have money where they can spend on management positions because obviously there's no salary cap for management positions. Right. That could be an easy step up after he's able, to, Barry Trotz, if he so chooses to lead in the next guy to help be a coach in Detroit. And he can step up right into a management position if he chooses. Like, I think there's opportunity here for him to develop a system that if he wants. And Eisman seems to be in favor of like that heavy, like a like a more sound defensive system. And it makes a ton of sense. Yeah. And like to go back to like what he trots, what what he did in Washington. Yes, they had like their core together already. Like their core players are in their prime. They're ready to win. They're wanting to win. They needed to win all of the above. And he stepped in and got them to the promised land. Like he made the adjustments and stuff like that to get to tweak it. I'd be interesting to see like what he does. If he does, if like the wings hire him and stuff, what he can do with an up and coming core per se and everything like that, uh, up and coming prospects and stuff like that to see if he could do, do it kind of not from complete scratch, but from the, at least, you know, the beginnings from the bottom up. Yeah, definitely be a new challenge for him that he hasn't experienced in quite some time. And I think that right. might be intriguing to him. So, yeah, some to, some definitely to watch. I'm still, I don't think it actually ends up happening. I don't think Detroit's no. the best option still if he wants to be right. I mean, it'd be tough. Uh, like, I, go ahead. I just, I just don't think Winnipeg's that much. That's, that is that good, to be honest with you. I think they're, getting worse and worse. I think they missed their window. I'm yeah. I'm thinking I I see Fugue saying Detroit. I also see teams like Florida and I think Vegas is aging too. So I don't know yeah. if he'd want to go there. I, I think Florida's a really good fit for him too. Yeah I think I don't think, I don't think Vegas would be a good fit because they've gone through how many co- three coaches now. Or will yeah, be think, on that third coach. I think yeah, they should hire towards yeah, I think that'd be fun. I think Schwartz goes to Philly, though, because the personalities fits too well. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, Vegas is an interesting one because, like, obviously that's the best, best scenario, like, from a team standpoint, but management seems to be all up in there. And Barry seems to be a guy that kind of likes to do his job and, like, give me my space and I'll, I'll get results. Where owner the owner feels like he's playing fantasy hockey and is making decisions for the team. Yeah. Right. Where I know Eisman is – he trusts his brain, like his brain trust. And like, he wants to be making decisions, but ultimately I think he left Jeff Blashold plenty of room to make decisions last year. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I think yeah. coaches have the freedom to do what they choose with the team, but ultimately like when it comes to like signing and stuff, that's still Eisenman. So again, we'll be very interesting. I'm excited to see where Barry Trotz ends up. I'm continually looking to see what, what the update is with Barry. Um, but yeah. Um, a kind of a fun little thing to maybe end on. Um, I wrote a, <laughs> maybe it's more of like me, like trying to get my point across as it wasn't received that well. I wrote a story about JT Miller and maybe being a fit with Vancouver and Detroit in a trade. Um, I heard something 
like I wasn't sure if I should like actually run with that rumor or not, but I was told that Vancouver and Detroit were talking about a top six center. And I wasn't exactly sure, like, you know, I can't just report that because I didn't really hear it anywhere else. So I just, I decided to, you know, phrase it in a fun way. Um, I don't see both like when a top six center is talking about in Vancouver, there's only two guys, right? Like Pedersen's not going anywhere. You have Horvat and Miller. And the main reason would be like, it's a cat move. And I don't see Horvat going anywhere because he's more so the age and all the rumors are on Miller. So I centered around Miller and I basically had a conversation like breaking down what it would cost for Miller. And I decided not to put my opinion at the end because I wanted to leave it a little more open where I should have, I regret but not putting my opinion because I don't think they should do it. I don't think Red Wings should do it because ultimately it's going to cost a lot. And that's what people really got stuck on is my package that I put for it. And I know I talked to Grant about it and I, Grant, I kind of wanted your opinion more on it. Like as it's kind of, we sat on it for a little bit. About JT Miller or the package? The package I proposed. It was, what was the package? a Sorry. conditional first 2023 that yep. if, if the Red Wings make the playoffs, uh, it stays 2023. If they don't make the playoffs, it pushes to 2024. Correct. Uh, William Wallinder. Um, who I see as a mid-first type player uh, with his trajectory right now. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that's fair or yeah, okay. A, mid, a mid-first round pick in my eyes is what he is, um, but he was a second-round pick. Uh, then I then it was Philip Sedina, who I'd say is an early second-round pick, late first-round pick, because yep. still, they're still – room to grow and that was it right i i included this another second as well another second yeah um it's a lot but also taken to effect that jt miller had 99 points this year was seventh in the league in scoring correct i think he was ninth ninth in the league in scoring he is he'd be coming in as a tandem center, basically, you'd have yep. two two first line centers. Mm-hmm. He's gonna be thirty, yep. correct? Yep. A damn good player, um, very good offensively, and has is a fiery guy. I don't think that's a too much, a too big of a package. I I don't know. I really try to stay unbiased when it comes to a package like that because it's so tough when you're not um you're on one complete side and not the right. other side so it's yeah. hard to make up a package but i see that being a pretty solid package i don't know yeah like i was i think people were really set on the first round pick which i totally get because i mean obviously my opinion i did i did type it out i had a whole paragraph typed out of what i would think and my opinion ultimately was the red wings should be fishing around in the ufa market for a center and if they they miss then you go to Joe Valeno and Pew Suter and have them battle it out for who's your second line center. You miss, you miss. You shouldn't be spending your first round pick for a while now. I, I believe that. And you let development take its course. That was my take. But ultimately, I was more so focused on like, getting the package right for JT Miller. And I felt that was pretty accurate. I mean, Phillips Dina is not worth the first round pick, in my opinion, at this point. If we're trading Phillips Dina, I want it to be for like a, another guy in a similar scenario where you can kind of take a swing for potential again because i don't know second round pick doesn't really excite me right you kind of want to have that other player and then 
that first round pick that if they were to make the playoffs, that's what the condition is for, is me like 17 to 21, which ultimately doesn't really pan out to be a great player usually. Right. So again, you're not risking and William Wallander is probably like that, in my opinion, like the best piece in that in that package is because Vancouver needs defensive prospects and you're not giving up Edvinson. So it's between him, or him and Albert. And I, th- I thought Albert wasn't really a fit because they have Quinn Hughes. So there's my breakdown of the trade. Um, again, yeah, I'm not if in my ideal world, I would I would try to go for Bo, Bo Horvat, but I don't think he's actually on the market personally. And it came out even today more in like Vancouver world that JT Miller is being shopped actively. So yeah, I, I wanted to kind of like clarify. I kind of like wanted to talk that out with you guys. Like as I kind of got some like messages back, like when I was plugging in Facebook groups, I was like, this is stupid, moronic. And I should have like taken into account that people wouldn't have read it with such nuance. And it wasn't going to be much of a conversation. It was going to be more so like, they're going to be looking right at the trade and that was it. So I probably should have like included all of like my little opinion, but Hey, you know, you live and you learn living, you learn. So yeah, I thought that was a, I thought that was kind of funny. Um, another quick one that I just like was checking Twitter about before um, we get into our predictions. Um, Dylan Strom. Friedman's reporting that there's gonna be a ton of RFAs that are, are going to go, are going to go unqualified this off season simply due to guys teams cap structures and a team like Chicago who's trying to rebuild but also doesn't have a lot of cap space and Dylan Strum I'm sure his qualifying offers like a little bit higher than what they want it to be um that's a really interesting one to me I know we talked about him when he was on the market before he really had that hot ending to his season as a potential like reclamation project but can you imagine two summers in a row we get we get a guy a center from Chicago that goes unqualified yeah, he's really interesting. I ultimately see another team stepping in on that rather than the Red Wings. I think you want to look to for sure upgrade that center spot, and I think he's a project still. Yeah, definitely. I, I'm with you as well. I think it's a fun idea, though. Like if the Red Wings were to – I mean, because the Red Wings can throw whatever money they want at him, whatever he wants. The Red Wings can outbid if they really want him. So it's kind of, it's, it's interesting to me. I feel like a team like Boston, who's kind of in this interesting flux where they kind of need a guy, they need to take a swing on a guy to be a center in there. I feel like that would be an interesting team Yeah, to go for it. I think the Rangers as well. Carolina. Yeah, Carolina. Carolina, Carolina. Carolina could be another one too. Dallas even for me. If they could make the money work, that's a, I mean, that's the big issue. Calgary even. There's a bunch of interesting options. I just thought it was funny that like Pew Suter had the same situation last year and it, Chicago ends up being in the same boat. I mean, but I mean, there's another name like, like we talked about Ethan Bear earlier. He's likely not to be qualified either. You know, so there's, there's plenty of like options like that. I hope the Red Wings on someone anyway, like another youngish guy who they can kind of take a swing on. Yes, you pull your He is not going qualified. Ryan McLeod. Again, I don't think he goes unqualified. I wish. I want, I want them to overpay the qualifying offer for them. Put themselves in real trouble. Yeah, that would be. It'd be just very Kakaniemi style. Give him six million for a year. I mean, yeah. I mean, at least um, Cooley Arvey would be actually closer to being worth it. 
in my opinion. Yeah. But hey. You, you have to get to a bigger sense. plane, though, to fit those lips and that ass on that oh plane. Oh, my God. And his tongue. Yeah. That's true. I mean, and the bison. Yeah. Yeah. His, he travels with him. It's a nice bison. It's nice, but yeah. It's it's a, it's a comfort bison. It's a emotional support bison. Bison man. was kind. Oh, man. That's kind of a funny thought as a bison on a plane. <laughs> if, it, if it's a kind bison, it shouldn't matter. I don't know how we got. I don't know how we got here, but that's okay. I'm not. I'm not upset about it. No. Um. So let's finish up here. Um. Predictions for conference finals. We'll start with the game at hand, as we can, as we're about to hang up here and watch that. Uh, Colorado Edmonton. What are we thinking? I think Edmonton's red hot right now. Um. I'm a little nervous for Colorado. I, I take I still take Colorado, but I think it, it goes the distance. I, I go Colorado in seven. Okay. At yeah. Home. Kemper makes me nervous for Colorado. Like the overtime goal last round for like a couple of just weak goals. But I think ultimately their depth will show through. But I still think it goes seven. I could see it going either way, but I'm going to go with Colorado too. Oh, man. I hate to like disagree with both of you and just to like, cause we're, you know, I want to keep things interesting, but I guess I'll, I'll go. I think, you know what? Colorado will whitewash them. I'll go, I'll go in five. Just make it a little bit different. You know, I, I think uh, Edmonton's run's going to come to an end. I think Kemper's going to figure it out. And I think Mike yeah. Smith's going to come down come back to reality. I think so too. Yeah. So I'm going to go Colorado in five. Um, yeah. Moving to the Eastern conference, uh, Tampa versus New York. Um, I go Rangers in six. Whoa. No, that's a joke. No. Oh. Tampa in five. Rangers suck. Yeah. Yeah, that's where I'm at. It's so yeah, funny that like, Tampa's, on, T- Tampa's on the road. Yeah. Yeah. Tampa in like five or six. I don't know. They, they never lose back-to-back games, so. The, there, is, there is so much value right now on Kucherov, Conn Smythe winner. Yeah, was he plus like nine hundred? I'm not kidding. Like, if you want to sprinkle some money on that, I would. Yeah. I I, th- I literally think if Tampa wins a cup this year, which I think there's a good chance they do, I get like a fifty percent chance they win the cup. Yeah, I saw Vasi at plus five fifty, and I'm like, that's actually a really interesting one for me. Well, to me, they snubbed Kucherov the last two years, and. He should have won it at least one of those years. Probably the first year. Um, he's been a stud the last three years in the postseason. And I think that he there should be a good chance he wins it this year if they win. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, Andy, what was your, you said Tampa in five or six, right? Yeah, five or six. Like I I don't think they I think they let one game slip and could, like the Rangers just get lucky bounces or something like that. I don't know. Like I can see Rangers winning two games. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and that's because like Tristan's just been playing unbelievable too. Yeah, no, he's been awesome, especially the last couple of games. He's really good. Yeah. Um, it's gonna be a goalie battle. Uh I'm gonna go Tampa in six. And I really hope Andrew Cop starts slowing down because he's really raising his UFA price and he's not gonna he's gonna yeah. price himself out of Detroit. It's kind of a bummer. I did love his comment to Chris Drury after the game. 
he like Chris Drew, I guess, went to the locker room and like shook everyone's hands. And uh, Andrew Cop said, sorry for the first round pick, because the condition was if they made it to the Eastern Conference finals, that um, New York would end up paying a first instead of a second round pick to Winnipeg. So that was really funny. Um, no, this this came across my mind uh, the other night or some of that. Um, what's with number 18s in New York just wearing tinted visors? That's true. That's true. I, I kind of want... We bring back Mark Stahl. We sign Andrew Cop. We got the double tint going at the table. No, I think it's the opposite. Yes. Um, I think Mark Stahl walks and Andrew Cop comes on. We replace one tint advisor for another. Okay. Also, Alexander Radulov has just signed with AK Bars in the KHL. Oh, interesting. Some breaking news. I mean, he's pretty bad this year, and yeah. he can just he can ride off in the sunset in the KHL and be a superstar. So, yeah. Interesting. Okay. That was kind of fun. Man, Radulov was... I wish he was able to play earlier in his career in the NHL, like, for longer. Obviously, he had some very, like, serious... Like, not great issues off... Like, not great things off ice that were happening. And then he came back late and was, like, really good for a couple of years. So, like, when he came back to Montreal, he was dominant in the first couple of years in Dallas. Um, but, yeah, I wish that we had, would have seen more out of Alex Radulov, because I think at one point, like, he, he was a, he was a first-line player easy yeah he was so sick in montreal when he came back that one year i know that one he played one year in montreal and he was so good and then the first couple years in dallas with like ben radulov and sagan also very fun sorry that Um, was that was per yuri nikolaev from hockey news hub it was uh radulov's agent sorry i'm just breaking news there's a bunch of russian stuff there was again like while we're still on i guess like breaking news uh I think it was Philly and Montreal decided that they're not going to draft any Russian-born players in the draft this year. Philly and Montreal? Reported. Yeah, I saw that was reported. Montreal's only drafted Russian players probably after they said they wouldn't draft Mayu. I I know, yeah. Like, I mean, they can't, they, they you know, can draft a guy with obvious character issues right away last year in the first round where he was not projected. And then you're like, oh, I can't draft a Russian. When yeah. he's not, he's not gonna be playing for your team for four years, most likely. When you're picking, when you're pick, I mean, well, I mean, first overall, but anything later in the draft, he's not playing for you for a while. You can draft a guy that has made mistakes himself, but you're not gonna draft a guy that can't control their country. Yeah, the, it's just, it's silly the logic there, right. but hey, whatever you do, you. Um, but yeah, I think it's gonna wrap this one up. Uh, unless you guys have anything else to finish up. I missed you guys. That's all. It felt right. Like, you know, Grant and I, I don't think we could have done another episode just us without just yelling at each other. We probably would have <laughs> talked about Jordan Biddington a little too much in his press conference. It wouldn't have got ugly. But yeah, um, that'll do it. Thank you everyone for listening. Uh, check us out. Um, Apple Podcasts. You can check us on Twitter. Um, check out Inside the Rink. Much appreciated. Mm-hmm.